1: Welcome to a podcast from Joy's jazz show, Bent Notes. Tune in live each Sunday night at joy.org.au. My special guest on Bent Notes is a multi-award winning Australian trumpeter, composer, arranger, band leader and festival artistic director. Eugene Ball has performed and recorded around the globe for over three decades and has just released the second album under his own name. It's called From Down Here. To find out what is down there and whether it's anywhere near the land of if, it's my pleasure to welcome back to Bent Notes, Eugene Ball. Welcome, Eugene.
2: David, thanks for having me.
1: A pleasure indeed. Last we spoke to you was when you, Ben Hanlon and Anthony Schultz, were travelling to the land of if in the Ball-Hanlon-Schultz trio, enveloping the jazz, classical and folk worlds. Is that land anywhere near your fortets down here?
2: I think they're fairly far apart, to tell you the truth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course, I should probably ask where down here is.
2: The name of the album, really, uh, you know, without making a huge deal out of things, is, is just uh, pointing towards some of the you know, sadness and j- just mild feelings of sadness that can sometimes pervade our lives and make it difficult to keep pushing through. But, you know, um, nothing too serious.
1: When I was reading the list of artists and groups that you've performed with, Eugene, I noted the list is a very long list, and whilst there are jazz-related links, there are others outside the world of jazz included in that list. One caught my eye in particular, the Black Arm Band. I understand that they're an Aboriginal, Australian and Torres Strait Islander music theatre organisation, but I actually don't know much about them. It sounds, though, like they'd be a very interesting group.
2: The Black Gun Band was an absolutely extraordinary extraordinary project, organisation to be involved with, and I was a founding member, if you like. I was on their very first project and uh, with them right through until the end, which was they eventually disbanded a couple of years ago now. In that time, they created several really... Epic and uh, deeply moving music and theatre pieces that told, yeah, the stories of Aboriginal Australia, contemporary Aboriginal Australia. I got to work with, you know, the absolute who's who of First Nations artists. You know, play with them and write for them. So there was a really terrific, um, moving and uh, deeply engaging um, half a decade. Really, yeah, it was it was fabulous.
1: Working in something like that that's so interesting and, as you say, fabulous, is is that a type of project that influences other projects later on?
2: I think certainly the skills that I honed, particularly in my work as one of the arrangers for that organisation, certainly those skills have, you know, I really developed my skills during my time with the Black Arm Band and they carry through today. You know, I think that some of the meaning of making music—the you know, I mean, what what music can mean to some First Nations artists—is super compelling, and and certainly makes us think about the way we make music and what it means for us to make music. Uh, so I, I I feel as though I've taken a bit of that on board for sure. Making music is really you know a kind of a sacred. Experience. It's it's a it's a very special experience. I don't mean sacred in a religious sense, but just you know a very very special, deep, meaningful thing. Or certainly can be, and it's good to be reminded of that and to you know have that as a as a possibility to be open to that experience.
1: Eugene, we're going to have a listen to a piece from the album before we continue talking to you, and that piece is a very interesting name. Uh, it's shit cargo. Where do the names of your songs come from?
2: <laughs> That's a really good question. I'm not. I think I might have mentioned this in our last conversation when Anthony and Ben were here as well. I'm not particularly for the music I write for um, jazz ensembles. I'm not particularly into the idea of narrative or storytelling. I don't think that the songs mean anything as such. So I often give my songs, you know, fairly. Not meaningless names, but but trite kind of names. And this actually, th- this one comes from the fact that uh, this is a largely improvised piece that feat that was remixed by Aaron life in Japan. There's a phrase that James McCauley plays on the trombone early on that just reminds me of the opening line from the song Chicago the, that Frank Sinatra made famous. So. Yep. You know, I just morphed that a little bit.
1: <laughs> you certainly did. <laughs> well, let's have a listen to this particular piece. We'll continue talking to you after this piece about the brand new album From Down Here. Listening to a podcast from Bent Notes. Find more podcasts and show blogs at joy.org.au. My very special guest tonight on Bent Notes is Eugene Ball, the leader of the Eugene Ball Quartet. Eugene, your quartet is four great Melbourne musicians, if it's your one. When you asked them to join you in the quartet, what did you see as the skills or the talents of these musicians that would enable the four of you to work so well together?
0: Great question, David. Well, look, I mean, we've. I, I've played a lot with each of them in the past, particularly with Mick Ma. I He was in the Black Arm Band with me, and I've known him yeah, for a thousand years. James McCauley is kind of my right-hand person at the moment. We seem to be playing all the time together, which is something, you know, we're both very into. I've had a long working relationship with each of them. You know, they all have such developed artistic practices, such distinct artistic practices that it sort of makes my job easy really as a as a composer and a you know, band leader. It means I can really just bring them together and ask them to do what they do so well, be themselves.
1: Does that make it easy for you as a band leader when you have a, a band of musicians that can do what they do so well?
0: Yeah, it, it does. It does in some ways because they're so strong individually, each player. There were times early on in the development of this project when perhaps I was not giving clear enough guidance. I was I was very curious to, you know, allow the musicians to react to the music that I'd composed in, you know, in their own way. I didn't really want to inhibit their response by giving instructions that were too strict. But there was a point in time where it became apparent that I needed to give slightly clearer instructions. So it's always a balance that, kind of it's a balance when you have when you're asking people to improvise to you know create the music it it is a real balance between allowing them to do what they do and yeah giving instruction that, that help them focus what they do.
1: The album itself has seven pieces they range from one minute to 12 minutes in length it's very different from the popular world where three minutes or you're out what determines the length of the pieces on the new album is it part of what you were just talking about in terms of the input from the musos and and how you all feel about the the solos that are going on the improvisation
0: it is partially that but some of the longer tracks are three or four tracks segued together and that came about because initially this project was for live performance and it was to be two complete sets of music so two two well single pieces of music if you like two sort of 40 minute pieces of music and so when we recorded it, obviously, we couldn't play everything, one song flowing right into the next and overlapping as we would and as we do in a performance. So I had to kind of arrange things into groups that made logical sense and that would allow for some break in the music. But yeah, as you pointed out, there's a, there's a real variation in duration and uh, it's... Possibly the least radio-friendly album in the world.
1: <laughs> well, one thing you've just explained to me, and I feel much more relieved now, is that a couple of titles I thought looked really strange with just two, three or four words sitting there all by himself. It didn't make sense to me.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. There, It sort of individual tracks that we've yeah. run into.
1: So mani- Manipulate yeah. Beverly which I've lined up to have a listen to, is potentially two different tracks
0: Uh, that's right so manipulate is one and Bevanley is the second Uh, there's also a reprise of Bevanley at the end of the album
1: I noticed Um, that yes
0: yeah it's possibly a challenging listen in some ways particularly Bevanley it gets uh, fairly intense hopefully it's something your listeners will enjoy
1: we're going to find out very shortly Eugene now the album is available on Bandcamp as both digital and physical copies through Namboko Records I've never heard of Namboko before. How did you come across them?
0: Namboko Records is the label that is run by Aaron Chulai, the Australian pianist who is now residing in Tokyo. It's a label that he and some of his hip-hop-focused colleagues started. Aaron asked me you know, if I would like to put the album out through him because their whole idea is really just to help artists reach audiences that are different to the typical audience that they might reach so that's why i decided to go with that rather than go with one of the australian jazz labels or to try to do it independently again and i think it's it's doing it's doing reasonably well and uh, yeah aaron uh, convinced me to also make the release the recording as a cassette tape
1: oh really they
0: sell yeah apparently they sell quite well in japan so oh wow there is a physical artifact, but it's a cassette tape. So there's some on the way over at the moment, but um, <laughs> he had to ship them, unfortunately.
1: I but, haven't bought a cassette for must be 30 or 40 years.
0: Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. So Having um, said that, I'm, I still looking, do have
1: a player. Yeah,
0: it's fantastic. Yeah. I'll have to source one. Yeah.
1: I don't know how many are around these days.
0: I, I might have to borrow yours.
1: Well, we can arrange that as well, Eugene. <laughs> more information about yourself and the album itself, including links to Bandcamp for that album and all of your other albums that you've been involved with along the way, I think from what I see, it's heaps of them on there EugeneBall.com, a great website, some fantastic information about you and the uh, albums themselves, but Eugene, before we go, you've been involved as co-artistic director of the Wangrata Festival of Jazz and Blues since last year, which means, unfortunately, you haven't yet seen your festival come to life.
0: We are very much looking forward to a face-to-face festival next year, and we've started programming that already, and there are some projects that are in the pipeline that I'm super excited about, but I can't tell you anything about them (laughs) right now. Well,
1: I'm excited because I have missed my yearly sojourn to Wangaratta this past two years I'm looking forward to getting back up there next year and enjoying obviously those projects that we'll hear more about in about eight or nine or ten months time Eugene thank you very much for your time tonight here on Bent Notes your website eugeneball.com has all the information about the album as I said and so many links to the albums that you performed on my best wishes to you for a very successful album in From Down Here I look forward to chatting with you again very soon.
0: David, thanks so much, and thanks for your ongoing support. A
1: pleasure indeed. I reckon we might go out with Manipulate and Bevanley. My special guest on Bent Notes has been Eugene Ball. You're listening to Bent Notes on Joy 94.9.